السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة إن الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدًا عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها 
وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعاذنا الله وإياكم منها أجمعين أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters Many if not most of us are aware of the famous hadith about the two angels known as Munkar and Nakir. These two stern angels who appear in the grave of every individual after their friends and family have departed. These two angels whose only job is to sit the deceased person upright inside of their grave and ask them three critically important questions. مَنْ رَبُّكَ وَمَنْ نَبِيُّكَ وَمَا دِينُكَ Who is your Lord? Who is your Prophet? And what is your deen, your religion? Most Muslims are aware of this hadith. Most of us have heard of this narration in which these two angels ask every single Muslim in the grave these three questions. Who is your Lord? Who is your Prophet? And what is your deen? However, we have another narration, another riwayah of this description of what these two angels do. And we understand from these other narrations that they word the questions in different ways. We have, for instance, in Al-Jami' of Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, a narration in which the Prophet says that when these two angels appear and they stand the person upright in the grave, they ask them, who is your Lord? Yes. And then the second question, the Prophet said they will ask, مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلِ They will ask, as it is translated, what did you used to say? About this man, مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلِ What did you used to say about this man? Who is this man? This man is Rasulullah Sayyiduna Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Wasallam. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions that they ask, who is your Lord? What did you say about this man? And what is your deen? And then the person in the grave who was a mu'min in this life will give the following answer. He tells us, فَيَقُولُ مَا كَانَ يَقُولُ هُوَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُهُ أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِنَّ اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ The person in the grave will say what they used to say in this life. They will say, he is the servant of Allah. And his messenger, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is his servant and messenger. Upon which the two angels, Munkar and Nakir, will say, We knew you were going to say that. Because you lived that. We knew you were going to say that. It is the protocol of being questioned. But they knew that this person was going to give the correct answer because they lived the correct answer, and they knew the correct answer all through their life. And then the Prophet ﷺ says, ثُمَّ 
He says, and then that person will find expansiveness in the grave at the distance of 490 squared cubits. And then it will be engulfed in light for that person. This is what the person received as, receives after answering the question correctly. The question being, مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلِ What did you say about this man? But as for the person who was a hypocrite, a munafiq, the Prophet ﷺ tells us, وَإِن كَانَ مُنَافِقًا قَالَ سَمِعْتُ النَّاسَ يَقُولُونَ فَقُلْتُ مِثْلَهُ لَا أَدْرِي The hypocrite will say, I heard people saying something, so I said the same thing. I don't know who this man really is. لَا أَدْرِي I don't know who this man really is. Upon which the angels Munkar and Nakir will say exactly what they said to the believer. We knew you were going to say that. And then the Prophet says, it will then be said to the earth, narrow yourself around this person, tighten yourself around this person, which it does. And his ribs will interlock in between themselves in this manner. And he continues to suffer until Allah resurrects him from his resting place therein. مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ What did you used to say about this man? وَمَا نَقُولُ الْآنَ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ What do we say about him? We are in the blessed month of Ar-Rabi'u Al-Awwal, Al-Anwar, the month of the first spring, the month in which the best of Allah's creation, Khayru Khalqillah, Watqa Khalqillah, the best of Allah's creation, Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was born. And so we take this munasaba, this opportunity in this moment to ask ourselves, what do we say about this man? And how can we speak about him so that we can prepare an answer now for that day when we are asked individually, مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي حَقِّ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ What did you used to say about that man? Do we really know the Prophet Muhammad wasallam as we should? The reality, dear brothers and sisters, is that no one but Allah Ta'ala really knows the full extent of the excellence and beauty of the Prophet But the believer must strive to know as much about him as they can. But you see, if the Prophet Muhammad is perceived as this distant historical figure about whom we know very little, how do we truly live the testimony of Muhammadun Rasulullah. Because our Iman will not endure without knowledge and without connection to the person of the Prophet Allah Ta'ala speaks about him in the Quran. And the companions of the Prophet not only transmitted what he said and commanded, they also transmitted his qualities his appearance, his character, his form, his daily habits, how he walked, how he talked, how he slept, how he ate, how he rested, how he interacted with others. 
with children, with the elderly, with friends, with family, with foes, with pleasant people, and with unpleasant people. All of that is transmitted by the Sahaba, not just his specific commands. All of this is transmitted because he is the Qudwa, he is the exemplar, he is the example, he is the model, as Allah Ta'ala swears with an oath, لَقَدْ لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Certainly, there is for you in the Messenger of Allah a goodly example. An uswa is an example in times of ease and hardship. Because we call catastrophes and difficulties ma'asi. He is an example in all situations. So learning about him is not just intellectual knowledge to feed our brain. It is to feed our heart. It is to attain the correct relationship with him, which is critical and an obligatory part of this deen, dear brothers and sisters. That means whether it is in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal or any month or any day or any hour, remembering his life, his birth, his childhood, his youth, Nuzulul Wahi, the descent of revelation, the Quran, his character, his physical appearance, his khasa'is, his unique qualities, his seerah, his teachings, his care and concern for his ummah, all of these facets connect us to an essential reality, an essential reality that has to be etched in the depths of our souls. And that reality is this. The Messenger of Allah, Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is not a distant figure in ancient history whose only job was to deliver a book and some list of do's and don'ts and then leave us be. Hakada. That is a very withered conception. How can the deen endure if he is seen only as Sahibu Barid, a delivery man, with whom we don't have any real attachment and about whose life we really don't bother to learn or know about? That kind of attitude, dear brothers and sisters, is what we call Jaffa. What is Jaffa? Jaffa can be translated as dryness or meanness, but basically it is this dry, withered, lukewarm, frigidity, coldness, distance to how we relate to the best of Allah's creation, Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Whoever does not know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam cannot come to know their Lord because the Messenger of Allah is Hujjatullahi alal alameen. He is the proof of Allah against creation. And he is the door through which we seek nearness to Allah Ta'ala. Because La ilaha illallah is Miftahul Jannah. La ilaha illallah is the key to paradise. How do you get that key? You don't get that key at Lowe's or Home Depot and get it etched. You don't go to the mountains and break rocks and find iron ore and smelt it and make your own key. The key of La ilaha illallah is taken at the hand of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Metaphorically speaking, is we receive that through him sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And that's why 
no one is a Muslim if they only say La ilaha illallah and don't say Muhammadun Rasulullah. Both have to be uttered with conviction, dear brothers and sisters, to be a Muslim. So we have to be honest with our condition. No one can enter Jannah by denying Rasulullah wasallam. No one can earn Allah's pleasure by bypassing the Prophet wasallam or by minimizing him or by ignoring him. We have to be honest about our condition because there's often a lot of jafa, a lot of dryness in people's relationship and connection to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And sometimes that dryness even looks like outright aversion. It's almost as if people are hesitant to express that they have love for this man and he ha they have more love for him than anyone else of Allah's creation. But the Messenger of Allah وسلم, spoke about this love, this connection that not only his companions have, but those who come after them have as well. He says in the hadith recorded by Imam Muslim in his Sahih that the people most beloved to me from my ummah will be those who come after me. But everyone among them would have the keenest desire just to catch a glimpse of me, even at the cost of his family and all of his wealth. You know, imagine in a, some scenario, you were presented with the opportunity to catch just a nadra, a glimpse of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, but the price is that you have to give everything that you own. Those people who would willingly give it, these, he says, are the most beloved to me who come after me. They have that level of love and attachment. That's how serious it is for them. Dear brothers and sisters, one doesn't attain that level of love unless they have knowledge of who they love. You don't love someone you don't know. So these are people of deep knowledge of who Rasulullah is, not was, is. To know him is to love him. To truly know him is to love him. And how can you love an unknown person? If he is seen as this distant historical figure and not much is known about him, how can one love a distant historical figure? about whom one knows very little. If we know more about musicians and actors and athletes and all the facets of their lives, all of the details of their lives and comings and goings, but we don't have the same level of knowledge about Rasulullah what does that say about our priorities? What that means essentially, dear brothers and sisters, is very clear. We have to make a commitment to know the process of coming to know who the Messenger of Allah, Sayyiduna Muhammad wasallam, is. This means learning his seerah, his life, learning his physical and moral qualities, learning his demeanor, how he spoke, how he walked, how he carried himself, how he interacted with people, the care he had for others, and his firmness upon the truth. And then with that learning comes the lifelong pursuit of trying to live that in our own lives, which is a never-ending journey. That is a process that never ends. Trying to have some measure of تخلق بأخلاق المصطفى صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم.
to inculcate some of that character. So may Allah Ta'ala make us of that latter group who came after Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam temporally after him in time, but who have the keenest desire to catch just a glimpse of him. May Allah strengthen that connection with him as demonstrated in our love, our knowledge, and our obedience to his commands and his way. Sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيدنا محمد الصادق الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين وبعد. Dear brothers and sisters from the Ummah of the Beloved Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wa sallam, we must all know that having knowledge about the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a safeguard, a wiqaya, a means of protection against kufr and ridda, against disbelief and against leaving the deen of Islam in apostasy. Knowing him firmly is a means of protection for one's iman. It is a means of safeguarding oneself from leaving the deen and falling into disbelief or apostasy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in Surah Al-Mu'minun when he says, أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا رَسُولَهُمْ فَهُمْ لَهُ مُنْكِرُونَ Or is it that they do not know their messenger and as a result they deny him? In this, dear, in this verse, dear brothers and sisters, Allah establishes a very clear link between ignorance of the Prophet ﷺ about who he really is and rejecting him. So the one who knows who he truly is and sees him through the lenses of Iman deeply, they safeguard themselves against disbelief. But those who have a distant relationship and don't know much, it is feared that this ayah could apply to them. أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا or is it that they don't truly know their messenger? And because they don't really know him, they deny him. They deny him. So one's ignorance of him can lead to disastrous results, dear brothers and sisters. So that journey of seeking knowledge about who he is and all of the facets of his guidance and love and light, that is a key to securing Iman. And to know him is to love him, as we said. And loving the Prophet ﷺ is not an intellectual affirmation of his message, nor is it merely the outward submission to the commands. It is the affirmation of his truth. It is submission to his commands outwardly, but it's also reflected in feelings in the heart. It's an emotion. It's an attachment in the heart that brings joy to the soul. To know him is to love him. To feel awe and reverence when he is mentioned is to love him. To yearn to be in his company in Jannah is to love him. To sacrifice our own wants, our own preferences, our own desires for his and what he wants of us 
that is to love him. To be drawn to hearing his qualities and his statements and his guidance and his light, his words, is all to love him. To think about him, to bring his beautiful form to mind as we read about in the Shema'il, that is to love him. And to obey him out of attachment is to love him. These are all the ways we reflect that love. So how then do we increase in that love? How do we seek that love, the means of growing that love in our heart for the Prophet ﷺ? The mere fact that a person wants to know the answer to that, and the person wants to seek that, indicates they already have love, alhamdulillah. Because those who don't have love don't care about that stuff. But the fact that a person wonders and wants to know indicates they have love, they have the seed, it's sprouting, they just want it to grow and be nourished. So to grow in that love, we have to know him, as we said. Because to know him is to love him. That is to make an actual commitment to know who he is. Whether that is learning his seerah, learning the moral and physical qualities of him, his demeanor, how he carried himself, and all the details about his life. A corollary of that is to think about him. And we find beautiful examples of this in the lives of the Sahaba, radwanallahi alayhim. They would often speak about him when he wasn't around. In the hadith, in the sunan of Imam al-Nasai, it is mentioned that some of the Sahaba were sitting in the masjid in a circle. And the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam walked in and saw them and says, Ma ajlasakum, what is it that causes you all to sit down? Why are you sitting down? And they said, oh, we are sitting here uh, praising Allah and thanking Allah for guiding us to you. And to this, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Allahi, ma ajlasakum illa hadha? Do you swear by Allah that that's the only motivation you have for sitting together right now? And they said, Wallahi, by Allah. And then he said, as for me seeking an oath from you, it's not because I'm accusing you of dishonesty, but I say that because the angel just conveyed to me now, the angel Jibreel conveyed to me now that the angels in the higher realms are competing in writing your rewards and praising you in the heavenly realms. So they were gathered on their own. They would do that. They would talk about him. They would think about him. After his passing, they would describe him and say, كَأَنِّي أَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ كَذَا وَكَذَا مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ It's as if I'm looking at him now as they would describe him to the second generation who were not blessed with that opportunity to see him. So this is a way of growing in love too. Because as the ulama say, مَنْ أَحَبَّ شَيْئًا أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ذِكْرِ Whoever loves something, they're going to talk about it a lot. Have you ever found a person who is in love with something, yet they never talk about it? Nor are they interested to talk about it. It doesn't make any sense. When you love something, you talk about it. And lastly, dear brothers and sisters, a way of increasing in that love is sending salawat, durood upon the Prophet This is a part of mentioning him, but it's in the form of a dua, where we ask Allah to continually bless him and increase him in closeness to the Divine Presence. That is a means of drawing near to Allah Ta'ala. It's a form of dhikr of Allah. 
and it's a means of growing in one's love for the Prophet So we're talking about pursuing the means of love. So when a person is pursuing these means, and they see the value of these means, and that love begins to grow, that love manifests in various ways. It manifests in a desire to see the Prophet It manifests as a desire to have the suhbah, the companionship with Rasulullah in Jannah. It manifests in the ways that a person spends their wealth and time. They spend their wealth and time in things that revive and strengthen that connection to his way. Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. As one of the poets said, Ain al muhibbun al ladhina alayhimu badrul nafusi ma'an nafai sihana. Where are those lovers who find ease in sacrificing their souls and every precious thing for having that nearness and that love? And a sign of that love is complying with his commands. The muhib is muti'a. The one who loves is obedient to his beloved. That is complying with his commands and abstaining from what he has forbidden. And if we do all of these things, dear brothers and sisters, we understand that these are great means of entering Jannah. As Sayyiduna Anas radiallahu anhu transmits to us in the hadith where he says that a Bedouin man, this is not someone who's spending a long time in the company of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he lives out in the countryside, but he's spending some time in Medina and he's grown attached to the Prophet ﷺ. And he stands up one day in the masjid and he asks a question. He says, Ya Rasulullah, Mata Sa'a? O Messenger of Allah, when is the day of judgment going to occur? Now, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ did not tell him this question isn't important. But he answered with a follow-up question, a question of his own. He asked him, Ma What have you prepared for the final hour? That's more important than knowing the specifics of when it's going to happen, the knowledge of which is in the knowledge of Allah. What's more important is to know what you have prepared for it. So now he turned the question back to the Bedouin man. And as the Bedouin man is thinking about what he's prepared, he says, Ya Rasulullah, I haven't prepared much, not by lots of fasting or lots of salat. I haven't really prepared much for the last day. However, one thing I know is that I love Allah and His Messenger. The Prophet did not rebuke him, he did not criticize him, he did not say, your love is fake because you haven't really prepared. If you were sincere, you would prepare. He didn't rebuke him like this. He actually reassured him. And by doing that, he reassures us. For he said, Al-mar'u ma'aman ahab. The person is with whom he loves. So no matter our shortcomings, that love is a means of protection and salvation. ta'ala. It is a means of light. And it is a means of becoming better if we have shortcomings. And we all do. No, we don't say that those who love the Prophet ﷺ are only those who are perfect. Because no one is perfect besides the Prophets. No one is ma'asum besides them. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us that love.
We ask Allah to remove from us everything that distances us from the love of Allah Ta'ala and the love of His Beloved Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Wasallam. And we stand before Allah Ta'ala on this day in a state of utter da'af and inkisar, weakness and brokenness, neediness, acknowledging our inability and asking Him to grant us blessed openings, repentance, mercy, and a deep love for Him and His Beloved Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam and to unite all of us under His banner Liwa'ul Hamd, the banner of praise on the day of judgment and receive his shafa'ah, his intercession. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin abdika wa rasulika al-nabiyyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim tasliman kathira bi qadri azamati thatika fi kulli waqtin wahin. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وقوموا إلى صلاتكم يحمكم الله